Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Thanks for joining us today. We're in a series called Pilgrims in Babylon, where we realize we're just traveling through this world. This world is not the home of the believer in Christ. So today's episode is titled, Get Caught in the Act of Doing Something Right. Too often, we realize that we get caught in the act of doing something wrong, and we need to stop that. So we need to get caught in the act. If we're going to get caught, get caught in the act of doing something right, just like the prophet Daniel, for example. The prophet Daniel was very consistent in honoring the Lord and doing what was right. His enemies knew that they could never trap him in doing wrong, so they figured out, well, hey, let's make... Uh, doing right, let's make that wrong legally and we'll trap him. And Daniel knew all about their stupid trap, but he still honored the Lord anyway. And so they trapped him, caught him in the act of doing something right, that is praying to God instead of only to the king. And, you know, in the end, the Lord honored Daniel the prophet. Peter experienced this as well as he observed the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry and the suffering and persecution he went through on our behalf, where Peter just saw this lived out before him. And Peter even personally experienced this as a disciple and an apostle, where he was told, hey, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And he told the religious leaders of his day, hey, whether it's right to obey you rather than God, you had to figure that out. I'm going to keep witnessing to the resurrected Lord, because I'm just paraphrasing what Peter said. Now, let's think about what does it mean to get caught in the act of doing something right? Well, as pilgrims in Babylon, this this evil, wicked, fallen world system, that amazingly, it just gets worse every day. It's, it's just hard to fathom that, but it seems to. As we, we try to make our way through this minefield called the world, as we're trying to reach the celestial city, city, our home with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, it's, it's hard because there's so many things that can get us off track where we, we get caught in the act of doing something, you know, wrong, like, uh, you know, being angry with people or not doing the, our work like we should do it or something like that. But listen, as believers in Christ, we need to get caught in the act of doing something right because that helps our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, as, as we go through this Babylon, this fallen world system, this world is not our home. This world is no friend to grace. This world is not trying to help you in your walk with God on your way to heaven. This world is out to take you down as a believer in Christ. It's out uh, because of Satan and his demonic forces and all the lost people and this fallen world system. All of it is oriented and arranged against you to get you off track doing something wrong and you know then then they'll trap you and your witness is ruined hey listen let's get caught in the act of doing something right jesus talked about this before we 
look at 1 Peter 3 today. Jesus talked about, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Man, thank you, Lord Jesus, for telling us this because... Lord, you've told us about this, and, and we know that you encounter this. And as we go through this world, thank you, Lord Jesus, that we know when, when the wrong people are given us grief, it must mean we're on the right track. Amen. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That is not for, for doing things that are wrong. You're doing the, the right thing, the God thing, and yet people persecute you for righteousness sake why are we to be uh happy about that for theirs is a kingdom of heaven you belong to heaven that's why this world's given you such problems blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely hey and by the way make sure when people say things ugly about you that it is false it is untrue that, you know, if it's true, you need to repent. <laughs> but hopefully, because of your walk with Christ and for the Lord, when the enemies of Christ say bad things about you, it will be false on account of your walk with Jesus. And she'll say, all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Whose sake? Jesus' sake. And he sums it up. This is in Matthew 5, 10 through 12 in the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 12, the Lord Jesus Christ sums up what he just said. Rejoice. Wow. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets, which were before you. Amen. So, you know, it's not that we're looking for suffering and persecution. And, you know, really, you don't have to do that. It will find you. If you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, trust me on this. As Jesus said, and, and he inspired Paul to say, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It may be great, it may be small, it may be in between. But trust me, as a pilgrim going through Babylon on your way to heaven, if you're trying to live for the Lord, there, people are going to take shots at you. Satan and his demonic forces will take shots at you. This world will take their best shot to try to harm you and hurt you and shut you up and get you off track. Hey, you know what? It's all good. If, if all of a sudden, you know, it's sort of like this. We all ought to have the goal that, that, it, that in hell, you know, we're living so right for the Lord and he's using us that in hell on the bulletin board, it's like, stop this guy, stop this gal. You know, I mean, I, I would not be so presumptuous to say that my name is up there like that, but that ought to be our, our goal, that hell says, we we got to take this person out. They are a threat to our, our evil kingdom in this world. Well, you know, you almost don't have to hope for that because if you live right for the Lord, you're going to have trouble in this world. 
But Jesus said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. Now, let's get into it in 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 22. We're going to break these up into three. this passage into three sections. All right, now, by the way, you probably noticed that I do not do very much alliteration. Like point uh, one is an, starts with an A. You know, my second point starts with an A and all of that. I do some of that. It's good for helping you break something down and, and maybe even remember it. But the Bible's not written that way. It's not. Preachers love it, but it's not written that way. So let's talk about what we're going to see. Then we're going to see it. And we may talk about it some more after we've seen it. There is persecution and suffering in the visible church. Pastor Ed, that, that word visible church, what does that mean? Well, it's the opposite of the invisible church. <laughs> hey, you can only get insights like that on this podcast. Now, what, what am I talking about? There's persecution and suffering in the visible church. That is, if you get in your car and you drive all over where you live, Memphis, Atlanta, Chicago, San Diego, uh, Ypsilanti, wherever, London, Berlin, wherever you are, if you drive around, uh, you will probably see church buildings. And then there's a, a, usually, a visible group, a congregation, a group of people that meets at that church. So when I talk about the visible church, I mean, it's just, it's the church you see. Now, here's the thing. Not everybody in the visible church is in the spiritual church, the actual church. You see, it's one thing to say that you're a believer in Christ. It's another thing to actually be a believer in Christ. There are many people in many churches that when the rapture happens, uh, they'll be here the next Sunday to carry on as usual because they're not saved. They're not born again. They may be a church member. They may even be the best church member at that local visible church. But not everybody in the visible church is in the spiritual church, the actual church, the real body of Christ. So, we're saying everybody's not born again. So if you can imagine that in pretty much every church, I would say, there's a mixture of people who are true believers in Christ. They're saved. They're born again. And there's at least some within that visible church that are may profess to be, may even think they are, although I think many know they're not, but... There are, will be some in that visible church who are not believers in Christ. They're not born again. They're religious, maybe, but they're not the real deal. So remember that you have a mixture in any church that you see pretty much anywhere, I would say. Now, let me give you an example. If you want to be persecuted today in the visible church, try preaching and teaching or studying eschatology, the study of last things, to make it even clearer, the study of end-time events, like the 70th week of Daniel, like the rapture of the church, like the tribulation, the Antichrist, the millennial kingdom, and 
all of that kind of thing, which is real. And it's in the Bible. Uh, somebody didn't just invent it. It's in the pages of Scripture. But bring that up in your average visible church and take a stand for Christ that, w that most likely we're living in the last days prior to the rapture of the church, and then will come the tribulation period, the Antichrist, the 70th week of Daniel, the second coming of Christ, the millennial kingdom, all of that. Take a stand for that on the Word of God where you go to church and find out what happens. You will probably be surprised. And maybe some of you will actually have a pleasant experience where people say, well, nobody's ever taught me about this. Well, it's in the Bible. You should read it for yourself. I'm just saying. But pastors and teachers should be uh, teaching and preaching on that as well. But that's just one example. Take a stand for Christ on any Bible doctrine where you go to church and see what happens. So, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 22, I've broken it up into three sections, and the first section is 1 Peter 3, 8 through 13. So when we talk about suffering and persecution, it can happen in the church. And it's what we're going to see here, these, these uh, verses we're going to see in this section, is talking about when it happens to you, and he's talking to believers, okay? Keep that in mind. What we're going to read is addressed not to people who need to come to Christ, but to people who are already actual, real Christians and even those who profess to be Christians. I mean, if they profess and they actually possess Christ, then they will do the things mentioned here. But many are mixed within the church that are not the real deal. All right, I don't want to confuse you. Let's read what 1 Peter 3 says in verses 8 through 13. So he talks about, he's talking about, as he writes here, to you, that is, to the church. This isn't written to the world at large. It's to people who profess to be Christians. Pastor Ed, are you telling me you know, I'm a brand new Christian. Are you telling me that even after I become a Christian, I can have trouble in the church? I'm here to tell you. But Jesus is with you. Amen? And Peter is encouraging them here. So let's start in verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. That means like somebody insults you, you insult them back. They do something wrong to you, you're going to get them back even better. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life, and he's quoting here Psalm 34, I think it's verses 10 through 12. Uh, look it up. Prove me right or wrong. Get in the Word. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. 
Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? So Peter sums up that section and he asks that question. Basically like, hey, if you're doing the right thing, who's going to... Who's going to give you grief for that? And you know what? In a, a spirit-filled church, the answer is, well, there shouldn't be anybody in it that does that. Amen? Uh, in a place in a church where almost everybody is actually truly born again, there won't be much trouble like that. But where it's a mixture, that's where trouble can come in. And, you know, in a normal world, like pre-2020, if... Where he says, "And who is he that will harm ye? Harm you if ye be followers of that which is good?" Well, the normal answer. I mean, it begs the answer is, "Well, nobody." I mean, if we're trying to be a blessing to people, trying to do the right thing, live for the Lord, have the right kind of attitudes, somebody insults us, we bless them truly back. You know, we we have compassion. We're kind. We love one another. We show compassion. You know, we're not, we're not doing the wrong thing. Well, who's going to give you a problem? The answer should be in a normal world. Well, nobody's going to give you a problem if you're living like that. And that's what we would expect. But, you know, it's not always like that in every church. And um, the, the worse and the more difficult our world becomes the less it'll be like that in churches, I should say, and the harder it will be in the world. So realize that even even in the churches today, the visible church, the one that you should be attending and going to, being part of, if you're not part of one, you need to be part of one. Well, I don't know, Pastor Ed, about what you just said. Hey, just do it, all right? But even being part of a local church, there's no guarantee that you won't have some trouble even within the church from people who who say they're Christians, but they're not always acting like it. Maybe they really are, but they've really gotten off track, and the whole body of Christ needs to help them get their act together and get back on track. But there's also people in the church who have no intention of ever doing that because they're not born again. They have their own own agenda, and they will give you grief. So just know that. If you're a new Christian or a relatively young Christian, what I'm trying to help you understand is not to get your head knocked off your shoulders spiritually if you run into trouble in the church. I mean, think about it this way. If, if a true spirit-filled, Jesus-preaching, soul-saving church is, is wreaking havoc in the community against the, Satan's kingdom, wouldn't he want to stop it? Well, yeah. Well, how would he do that? Well, he might not be able to make it go out of existence, but what if he just created so much weirdness in it with, with planting fake believers and all kind of folks in it 
that are just going to create problems. And maybe the church just fights all the time and its witness is diminished. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's sort of like uh, counterfeiters, you know, who counterfeit um, currency. They don't usually counterfeit $1 bills. They want to counterfeit $100 bills, you know, $50 bills, $20 bills. There's probably not a big move on to counterfeit pennies or something, right? You see what I'm saying? So if Satan wants to stop the church, he's probably going to put counterfeit people in the church and create problems. So yes, you should belong to a church. Uh, No, you should not expect to have a trouble-free experience in church. I'm just saying. And that's good advice, by the way. Now, America has been largely shielded from any major suffering and persecution from government and the culture. So what we just read is about what may go on within the church, but here we're going outside the walls of the visible church, and we're now out in the community. We're in the political realm and uh, education realm and so forth. America really has been been shielded from that type of suffering and persecution directly from the government and the culture. But I'm here to announce the 50s are over. Everything has changed within our country. Can it go back? I don't know. Maybe with revival. But um, I'm just saying if it keeps going the way it is, the 50s are over. And you can now expect more and more persecution from various levels of government, state, local, federal, and the culture at large. And if you try to live for Christ going forward, it may have been easier in the 50s or even the 60s or even the 70s during the Jesus movement. And I was saved in that. Um, I was never a hippie, but I was saved in 72. I mean, right in the middle of that that wave of of the Jesus people movement, Um, all that's over. The 50s are over, the 60s are over, the 70s are over. And it's time for American Christians, apparently, to put on their big boy pants and stand up for Christ. I like what J-Mac said. Who's J-Mac, Ed? What rapper is he? He ain't no rapper, dude. J-Mac is John MacArthur, all right? pastor out in California who's been been threatened with fines and arrest and close your church down and all of that, but um, they haven't flinched. And when he was asked, well, you know, we could get in a lot of trouble as, as individuals or a church if we don't go along with the whole lockdown thing, and they did initially, uh, just like all churches did initially, like, okay, well, you know, two weeks, Two weeks became 30 days, and, you know, you know the drill. And it finally became pretty obvious when you could riot to your heart's content, and it wasn't an issue, but going to church was uh, somehow going to kill everybody? Come on. So, anyway, now they meet for worship, as many churches are doing, which I think every church should. And people can decide on their own to go in person or watch online. But... When he was asked, well, you know, what if trouble comes from this? I like what J. Max said. He said, the first hill we come to, we would die on it. Whoa. You know what? 
you've been sheltered. I can just tell. Now, I can't actually see you, but I know that you've been sheltered as most of us as American Christians have been. I'm going to give you some homework. Um, hardly any of you will do this, but the one or two that do it, life change. Pastor Richard Vermbrand, that's W-U-R-M-B-R-A-N-D. Look him up. Better yet, his book, uh, I don't even know if he's still living or not. I, I don't know the answer to that. But his book, Tortured for Christ, is a book that you should read. I, I remember as a very young Christian, I read that book. And I may be getting the facts messed up, some of the details, but essentially he was a pastor behind the Iron Curtain when the Soviets controlled all of Eastern Europe before the fall of the Berlin Wall. I believe he was in Romania, and I think that he was a Lutheran pastor, but he would not quit preaching Christ, and so he was thrown into prison for, I believe, decades. And he wrote the book, Tortured for Christ. And he, when he was released, he began a ministry for the suffering and persecuted church. Read that book. Or, if you hate reading, find the movie, The Insanity of God. If you search for it, you'll find it, and I want you to watch it. I promise you, you will never look at church, put quote marks around that, you'll never look at church the same way again. The insanity of God. Now, here's some late-breaking news. Although I believe we're living close to the last of the last days, near the end of the end times. And I, I believe biblically, and I can defend this, and I know all the arguments, pro and con, I know all of that, all right? So no cars and letters, please. I believe that the rapture of the church is the next prophetic event that will occur in eschatology, the study of last things. I don't know of anything else that has to happen now before the Lord comes to take his church, the bride of Christ, home to heaven while the tribulation unfolds on a Christ-rejecting world. I believe the rapture of the church is an imminent event. And as every day goes by, it becomes more and more imminent to me. But that doesn't mean that Christians all over the world and American Christians, most, most of whom you are listening, live in America, that doesn't mean that there most likely won't be tribulation, small t. Tribulation just means trouble, by the way. There most likely will be tribulation, small t, before the tribulation, capital T. I believe there's going to be more suffering in America, regardless of when the rapture is coming, how soon that may be. You need to listen to things such as the Voice of the Martyrs radio program. Because if, if you're in your own little 
world of what your version of Christianity, you're going to be shattered when you're forced to suffer for Christ. Why not prep in advance? So in 1 Peter 3, verses 14 to 17, we move outside the church into the world because you'll notice that Peter starts talking more about they. So in 1 Peter 3, um, 8 through 13, he was addressing it to you, the church. Now we see the, the pronoun they, them, use more. So now we're outside the church walls and we're out in the world. So look at verse 14 in 1 Peter 3. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Oh, man. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation. That means like your good lifestyle, your good way of living, your Christian life, that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. That, that 17th verse is an interesting verse. For it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. I know this doesn't go along with the health and wealth, name it and claim it, prosperity doctrine and all that. It could be the will of God for me or you to suffer for well-doing. Now, let me explain as, as well here. If uh, Let's say that a Christian just, um, it's hard for me to imagine this, but I'm just using an absurd example. A Christian just loses it one day, goes out and robs a bank. He's identified, arrested, charged, convicted, and in prison. Oh, woe is me. I am a prisoner for Christ. No, you're not. If that was you and you lost your mind and you robbed a bank, you're suffering because you robbed a bank. You see what I'm saying? You're suffering for doing wrong. Here is talking about doing right and suffering for it. And it says in verse 14, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, blessed are ye. It's, it's a, it is a, um, a state of blessing that's not even related to the circumstances. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror. By the way, the world operates on terror. If you don't do what we say, we're going to fine you a $10,000. So we, you know, if it comes down to choosing between obeying the world and obeying God, we're going to obey God. 
Well, so the fines don't work because we have a GoFundMe account. <laughs> so, so the next step is, well, then we're going to inflict pain on you and imprisonment. Okay, well, you can throw me in jail, but you can't kill my soul. And Jesus said, don't, don't fear those who can only kill, kill the body. He says, fear the one who can, can kill you, you know, by casting you to hell. That would be God, right? You know, who can uh, kill us body and soul. So I'm not minimizing going to prison. I'm not laughing at that. I'm saying that, that this is how they operate. Neither be troubled. So read it again. But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled. That's a picture there, the word picture of like, um, let's say you have a bowl of water and you shake it and the water is shaken in the bowl. Don't, don't get rattled. Well, what should we do, Pastor Ed? But sanctify, that is set apart, but sanctify the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. How? Well, is God. But sanctify the Lord, God, in your hearts, that is our our cardia, our our inner self, the the real us, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see where it says, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The word answer is where we get our English word apology from. Now, I want to apologize that we use the word in English apology, uh, and when we, when we give an apology to someone, we're saying, I, I was wrong, I, I apologize, I'm sorry I said it or did it, and I ask your forgiveness. That's how we use the word apology. But in Greek, it, it means to give a verbal defense, like you're in court and um, the charges are brought against you and, and you give a verbal defense against the charges. So let's read this again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. That is a verbal defense uh, a verbal explanation, let's say, to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So our attitude is one of controlled strength and reverence for God, but we're able to give a defense, a, a, a logical explanation for why we have this hope. This hope that we have is not a I hope so. It's a I know so. Why can you be so so sure, you know, that that Jesus is resurrected? Because I, I have this hope. It is a certain hope. It is a certainty based on facts. It is based on truth. How do you know um, that you, when you die, you will live with the Lord forever? Because we've been given that hope that certitude from God that when we pass, we pass over as believers to live with Him forever. And we're not to be a, um, 
and I don't mean anything wrong by saying it this way, but you'll get what I mean. We're not to be a smart butt about it, all right? We're to, we're to, um, we're to, when, when people persecute us and we won't budge, not because we're stubborn, but because we're wholly cast upon the Lord Jesus to help us, that raises questions it's like, well, how can you be so, so sure about this? And then with a, with a good attitude and trusting the Lord, and I, I think with love for the people that are challenging us like this, we explain the gospel to them. And you know, more than one persecutor has come to Christ when they've been confronted with, this is real, this person really, really knows this. I think of the 40 martyrs of Sabast, which was in what we call modern-day Turkey, that um, Licinius ordered that Christians were to be purged from the ranks of the Roman legion in 320 A.D., and in this particular 12th legion of Rome were many Christians, there were 40, that were forced to recant or they, they were uh, also beaten and tortured, but they wouldn't recant. And finally, it was like, look, if you don't recant and worship the gods of Rome instead of this Jesus we're going to strip you of your uniform, your clothing, and you'll be forced to stand on a frozen lake in the middle of winter until you're dead. And to make it even worse, they put bonfires on the shores and warm baths on the shores. And all you have to do is just renounce Jesus and you can be warm again. Well, the 40 martyrs of Sebastian saying 40 martyrs for Christ are we. And they, they prayed to the Lord and they banded together, but one lost his will and fled from that frozen lake. And as soon as he stepped into that hot bath, that, that temperature differential killed him. When one of the guards guarding them and keeping them on the ice saw what happened and he saw a vision of a glow over the 40 martyrs he took off his gear and his clothing and took the place of that 40th martyr who had deserted and they all died trusting christ you need to look that up very inspiring true story many people became christians after hearing about the 40 martyrs of Sebast. Wow. Verse 16 says, Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation, that is your good lifestyle, your good way of living in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. But, but, but it's not fair 
Yep. But Jesus Christ was completely unworthy of suffering and persecution, and yet he endured it. And he is large and in charge. And that's what we see in 1 Peter 3, 18-22. Christ is our ultimate example and leaves us without excuse. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Now remember, they were not his sins. They were ours. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. See that word bring, bring us to God? It's like um, usher us in, introduce us, uh, give us access to God. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, I believe these were the, de- the fallen angels, what we call demons, many of whom are currently imprisoned because of the terrible place they made the earth. I mean, if you could imagine all the demons being free to do whatever they want now, the world would be a kabillion times worse than it is already. Many of them are imprisoned, waiting, awaiting judgment. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The world had become so evil that the Lord imprisoned these angels, Now, that doesn't mean that all fallen angels, all demons are in prison, but many are. And they were disobedient, and they created quite an evil world. And the Lord preached to the people on the earth for about 120 years through Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says, while the ark was preparing. While he built the ark, he preached Christ. Wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. So Noah and his family were saved. But I want you to think about this. God put them in the ark and closed the door. Then about a week later, the flood started. (coughs) Only eight people were saved. And that flood, that water, washed away that evil world and the world had an opportunity through Noah and his family to start over. By the way, if you mock that story and laugh about it, you should see the ark that's been built at the Ark Experience, I think it's called. Very interesting and very logical and scientific if you go see it. And, by the way, in case you didn't know, the evidence mounts constantly, it grows, that there was once a worldwide deluge, a flood, which killed animals that were living at the time, and they were instantly killed because we're finding them all over the place where they shouldn't be. And you can research that. So that, that water 
destroy that evil world. And Christ imprisoned the demons who were uh, as much as responsible as people for creating the evil world that required such a judgment. Verse 21, the like figure whereunto even baptism, that is like Christian baptism, and that involves water, right? The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Now listen carefully, because he explains it. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh. That is like uh, if you think of being baptized and it washes off dirt that may be on you. But the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's not saving that if you just go through the 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 act of or ritual of water baptism that you're automatically saved. We're saved because of Christ, but that that belief in Christ and that public profession through a public baptism are tied so closely together in the New Testament. But it's it's kind of a picture also that when a true believer in Christ is baptized it's it's like they leave behind their old life and now they they come out of the water to go forward with christ in a brand new resurrection life amen verse 22 who is gone into heaven who's that the the resurrected jesus christ who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of god angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. You know what I see here? No matter what we go through in this world, Jesus Christ has won. In the end, we win. And really, we've already won because he is absolute victor. So, if you have to suffer and endure persecution inside or outside the church, Get caught in the act of doing something right and give a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have spiritual questions or you would like to know how to become a Christian or maybe you are a brand new Christian and you want to grow in your new faith, call this number, 888-537-8720. 888-537-8720 and someone will help you with your spiritual questions. Some of you are at the point right now where you need to confess to the Lord that you are indeed the sinner that his word says you are and you are on your way to a Christless hell and that you turn from your sin and you Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, to wash away your sins, be your Savior, indeed be your Lord, and give you the new birth and become a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost. You can have that happen right now by crying out to the Lord to save you. And if you need help, call 888 337-8720. I'm so glad that you joined us today on our podcast. 
I hope this has been a blessing to you and a help to you. It is my privilege to do these every week. They're free of charge. I don't even try to sell any merch. Wow, how rare is that? I do this to lead people to Christ and to lead Christians to grow in Christ. Please tell others about the podcast, This Week in the Word, which can be heard at dredhill.podbean.com. Thank you, and may God richly bless you this week.